Hi, welcome to my creativity. podcast about being creative and producing output. I'm your host, Surrey. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, well, my creativity, from planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head and the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. Now, each week, I go over last week's goals. And at the end of the week, I come up with some new goals for the coming week. And this is a part of my accountability. And if you go back and listen to episode one, I talk about planning and goal setting and why I'm doing this. The short version, if you can't be bothered going back or you've sort of forgotten, is that when you write down your goals, and particularly if you tell other people about them, you are some percentage, depending on which research you look at, you are more likely to achieve those goals. Now, there are things I want to achieve in life particularly in my creative fields. And so I'm doing what the experts tell me to do. So let's look at last week's goals. And these came from April's goals. And April, I, I got from my quarterly goals and from my annual and from my 10-year mission and so on. Go back, I've done a couple of episodes about it already. Last week's goals, very simple goals, though it turns out we're not simple enough. So do a seven kilometer run during the week and then 7 kilometers and 12 kilometers running on the weekend. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is because I am training for a marathon. The marathon has since been canceled due to uh, pandemic reasons, and that means I'm going to have to set my own marathon. It's going to be in August sometime, and that's going to be particularly challenging because it's much easier to do a marathon when you're running with a whole bunch of other people. So instead, I'm just going to map out a 42-kilometer course. I'm thinking that it might loop past my house a few times just in case I injure myself. I want to be able to get home easily enough. So I ran 12 kilometers today. Uh, I didn't run 7 kilometers yesterday, but I did uh, run maybe one or one kilometer on the beach and went uh, for a swim. So still pretty good stuff. And it is Easter so there's uh, a lot more sort of playing on the beach because there's nowhere else we're allowed to go. Here in Mandra, we have plenty of beaches and they're still open, which is very nice. Uh, and that's because I'm mean, just outside my house down the end of the street. There's a, uh, I don't know, I, it must be eight kilometers, 10 kilometers of beach and very few people to use it. So, bingo. The other goal was short story. As you know, if you listen to the last two weeks, I'm working on a short story, which is going to be a demonstration of my process for plotting and creating a story. And I'm retelling the story of Hansel and Gretel. Check out last week's episode. I talk all about it. And this is why uh, this whole accountability thing hasn't worked so well this week. 
because I did no work on Hansel and Gretel this week, which uh, leads me to what I'm going to talk about today, which is procrastination. Uh, Procrastination is something I'm sure we've all done. It's that case where you have something you know you're supposed to do, but for some reason you never do it. You find plenty of other things to distract yourself with. I was doing um, laundry and gardening and walking the dogs and playing with the kids and any number of other activities except writing this short story. Which is funny because I'm really looking forward to writing a short story. And this is undoubtedly something that uh, everyone can relate to as well. There's something you want to do and you know it's a good thing to do and it's a step forward. But for some reason... Uh, you just, just not doing it. Now, I'm going to say procrastination is a complex thing. I've done some uh, research. I went on like psychology today. I went on to neuro, uh, something rather neuro, I can't remember the name of the, the site's another journal, you know, um, journal about neurology, uh, the neurosciences and genetics. And, uh, I also read a few, you know, um, opinion pieces as well, less, um, less research, shall we say. So I sort of wanted to, you know, I've, I've heard various theories about procrastination, but I wanted to see uh, a, a bit more behind it because there must be an evolutionary reason for it. Everyone does it and it must have a benefit to us. It seems unlikely that it is an entirely a learnt um, process. Almost nothing about our lives is entirely nature. Sorry, nurture. It is somewhat nature. You know, some people are predisposed to certain personality traits, and if they're given the right environment to express them in, then they will express those traits more commonly than people who are not predisposed genetically speaking, to express them. What this means is, since um, procrastination is so prevalent, everyone has some level of it, you must imagine that it must have some genetic component. And indeed, I I found uh, research. Let me... Okay, so there was a study, and this is on psychologytoday.com. There's a study published by uh, Daniel Gustafsson. His supervisor, Akira Miyake, Miyake, and their colleagues at University of Colorado in Boulder. So they, they posted a study called Genetic Relations Among Procrastination, Impulsivity, and Goal Management Ability, Implications for the Evolutionary Origin of Procrastination. Fantastico. And so as it goes along here, what they did is they grabbed a hold of 181 identical twins and 166 fraternal twins. Now, you know, identical twins have uh, the same genes. They came from the same uh, sperm and egg combination. Uh, Fraternal twins, the dizygotic, so zygote is the um, little egg. So if you have fraternal twins, you've got two eggs get fertilized in the uterus at the same time, 
and they both embed in the wall and develop. So they have 50% uh, shared genetic material. So wh what this means then is you can have a look at the identical twins. They're basically being raised in the same family under similar conditions. There's not going to be huge differences in the way they're raised on average. But they have the same genes. And then you can look at the, the twins who are raised in the same way and in a similar family conditions, but they only share half of their genes. And so you can then ch check to see what well, the differences uh, across you know, many versions of this and figure out what sort of traits are genetically predisposed and what are more environmentally. Um, and this study did indeed find that there was a 46% what they say 46% of the variance in procrastination can be attributed to genetic variability which of course doesn't surprise anyone because usually we talk about as about 40 to 50% of any given trait is genetic you know nature versus nurture so that means that there is actually almost certainly a genetic reason for procrastination. And that means in our distant past, we humans survived and bred better by procrastinating. So those uh, humans who procrastinated, on average, had more children that lived to the age where they also had children, which meant then that the people who didn't procrastinate tended to die off earlier. So if you are a procrastinator, that means you're a survivor. Congratulations. But considering we all procrastinate to some degree, it turns out we're all survivors in that sense. So what then is the benefit of procrastination? What, what causes it? What, what's, what's it about? So this study, they found that there was a strong correlation between procrastination and impulsivity, and then also what they call goal management behavior. So what they're saying is, if you are highly impulsive, then you will tend to procrastinate more, which makes a lot of sense, because if you have to uh, write a short story, and that's what your stated goal is, when you um, are presented with some sort of opportunity to dick around and you're impulsive, you're more likely to take the opportunity to dick around rather than do what you're supposed to be doing. How this led to improved survival of the human species, I don't quite understand. But what it does mean is it also talks in about goal management. Now, goal management is, again, partially genetic, but also very strongly a learnt skill. And that's where we can have the biggest influence. So goal management means that you are able to figure out what your goal is, because a lot of times we procrastinate because we don't really know what it is we're supposed to be doing. The number of times at work I've been, uh, for just recently, I tasked myself really with coming up with a document that outlines our team's development standards. It's something we, we haven't written in, in a document before. We 
observe these things, but we don't really know what they are. So I had to write this document. And I had to do it fairly quickly because uh, there were, things were in process in the business which required it. But I didn't really know what I was going to include in the document. And so every time I thought, yeah, I should do that thing now, I'd quickly check my email or I'd check some other thing and I'd, and I'd find some other bit of work that had to be done. So goal management then would mean you could identify your goal. So I hadn't identified my goal very well in that case. And then having identified your goal, you then need to figure out what its priority is. And the only way you're going to be able to figure out its priority is by determining what your other goals are. So you need a, a bunch of goals, like the big ones. Figure out what the priority is, what their due date is, and all that sort of thing. And once you've got some clarity in this, then you can start taking a bit of action on it. So it's not surprising then that if you are not doing your goal management behavior very well, then your impulsivity, it will lead to procrastination. This leads me to a book that I haven't fully read, but it's a book by Brian Tracy, published by Brian Tracy International. It's called Eat That Frog. How to Stop Procrastinating and Get More Done in Less Time. Eat That Frog is all about goal management behavior. So apparently, Mark Twain once said, and again, this is, maybe he never said this, but it's said that he said that if the first thing you do each morning is to eat a live frog, you can go through the day with the satisfaction of knowing that that is probably the worst thing that's going to happen to you all day. In this context, your frog is your biggest, most important task, the one you're most likely to procrastinate on if you don't do something about it. So what you need to do then is get stuck into eating your frog first thing in the morning or first thing in your allotted time. And if you have to eat a live frog all at, uh, all at once, it doesn't pay to sit and look at it for very long. Yep, take action immediately. <laughs> Get that frog in your mouth, start swallowing. Yum, yum, yum. Which leads me interesting to a, another discussion then on procrastination. So I went back on a psychology today, which is a, it's a great site. It's got blog posts by PhD psychologists where they talk about studies and research and things. So this isn't this isn't wellness guru one five three telling you their personal belief in the the resonance of higher frequencies or, or anything like that. This is this is people talking about genuine studies of people. And if you like your high resonant frequencies, that's fine. It's a good metaphor and it works fine for a lot of people. But what I'm saying is you can't actually measure that. And we're talking about... Anyway, I'm getting off track. So here's... Uh, there was an article here by Robert uh, Tybee. LCW... LCSW. What on earth is LCSW mean? Well, uh, he's a graduate of Rutgers University in the University of South Carolina. And serves as an adjunct professor at several universities. He provides training nationally and internationally in the areas of couple therapy, family therapy, brief therapy, and clinical supervision. He's currently in private practice. So there you go. So, you know, he's not just some 
Joe down the street when it comes to psychology and procrastination. He and he's to, he uses a couple uh, we call um, case studies, if you like, or examples. One is someone with ADHD and someone who has anxiety, two separate people. Uh, we're talking about Kim with ADHD and Matt with anxiety. So he says that procrastination is common for folks like Kim and Matt. And he's used these examples not because only people with ADHD or anxiety have procrastination, but rather these are strong examples of some of the typical reasons why people will procrastinate. They exhibit uh, the, the more extreme examples, if you will. And so it works well then as a, as a way of learning. So Kim struggles to focus, especially with topics that are boring or difficult, as opposed to the rest of us who just love boring, difficult topics. As Matt's anxiety makes everything seem important, which apparently is, is the way it works, I, I don't have any form of anxiety. So I feel out of depth when talking about anxiety. Uh, my wife has anxiety, and I know a lot of people do. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't understand it, but I'll accept it as true. And apparently it makes everything seem important, and it's difficult to map out priorities. But, despite them being able to be easily scattered and tending to be emotionally driven, if they feel like it, they do it. But if they don't, because sometimes doing so seems too difficult because they don't know where to start because the deadline seems far off they don't and, and even though they sort of scold themselves for not just sucking it up and moving forward they still find themselves gravitating towards doing what's easy and putting off what's more difficult so one part of overcoming this and he says the other part you know might be some sort of therapy or medication or whatever and we're not going into that that's that's for other things to worry about but one part is organizational skills and learning to do hard before easy. So eating your frog up front and plotting out tasks in advance in order to set realistic expectations and override that don't feel like it feeling. And certainly this is something that I do. I haven't done this out of knowledge that this is an anti-procrastination tool. I've done this as part of my goal setting and planning. But uh, old Robert Tybee, he says there are, there's an eight-step approach that he recommends. So he says, map out the five most important things you need to get done in the next week. So that's, that's what I do each Sunday. I, I come up with some goals. Now, I don't give you all the important things I'm going to do in the week because there's a lot of stuff that's unrelated to my creativity. Like I had to cut the grass on the, in the front yard because it was just getting out of control. That's not really part of my goals. So map out the five most important things you need to do in next week, ideally on Sunday night. Hey, how about that? You also want to decide on five things, not 50, as a way of forcing yourself to set priorities. And I find that too. I, I do two or three things that I, I want to try and get done. Number two, map out the three things you need to do each next day. So Sunday night gives you a big picture, but you need to break that down into smaller tasks. So here you go on Monday night, map out three things that absolutely need to be done on Tuesday that are part of the big five things that you can do for the whole week. To, you know, uh, uh, let me see, what is this? Write your three tasks on a whiteboard or a bit of paper or something so you can check them off. Writing them down is important. You want to map them out the night before rather than in the morning 
because otherwise you'll be procrastinating in the morning by writing down your tasks. And you'll have one of these task lists where number one task is write your task list. Check. Whew, I'm getting ahead. Number three, do the hard stuff first for 45 minutes. And so this is what I like about what he's saying here. Because then he sort of goes ahead with the next sort of few points here all come down to point eight. So I'm just summarizing here his uh, points four, five, six, really, and seven. Point eight, this is important. And this is what I have already instituted for myself. And I talk with my wife, I've spoken to my wife about the same thing as well. It's avoid all or nothing thinking. What this means is you resist the temptation of looking at your watch at two o'clock. Say to yourself, wow, it's already late. It's two o'clock. The day is shot. I'll finish the rest up tomorrow. Or waking up late and essentially saying the same thing. Stay on track by staying on track and not finding excuses to put your tasks off. And also, when avoiding the all or nothing thinking, is it's okay to do 20 minutes each day chipping away at a bigger task. And this is, this is what I do, and it's a lot easier in my normal commuting pattern where I'm, you know, at the moment I'm working from home. So normally I would spend an hour on the train going to work, and I'd know then I've got one hour to do my writing or to do my creativity, to do my um, planning or whatever it is I'm doing. I've got one hour, and I just chip away at writing a book one hour a day along the way. And you can do that. You can, you can take your big task and one of the reasons you procrastinate is because it just seems too big. You don't even know when it's going to end or anything. And it's not necessary to know that you do it all or you do nothing. You can do a 20-minute block. Uh, or even I found it really useful, and I've done this myself prior to reading any of this, is I just write something. And this is the way I got through this development standards document. I finally sat down and went, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing. So what I will do is I, I, I started the document. I got the document template I'm supposed to use. I set up the title, you know, the date. I did all that sort of stuff. And then I wrote down first point uh, and I always went, ah, oh, development standards, mm, principles. And then the next one I went, ah, oh, you know, commenting, logging, database access. I just sort of started writing anything. It didn't even really matter what it was. The point is then... After about half an hour of just sort of writing, just almost uh, brainstorming, but closely on topic, I, I, I got up and I left and I did something different. And then later on the day, I came back and I you know, did some research on the first one, principles. What, what principles do people commonly talk about? And that prompted me for what we actually do. And so I wrote a few extra notes and left it, and the next day and came back. And so as a process, by actually just getting something on there, it gave it gave enough shape that even though I wasn't finishing the task in, in one go or even finishing a chapter or point in one go, it meant that I was chipping away, chipping away until I had enough shape and suddenly the task seemed doable. And then I finished it. And then the really nice thing is you get to send it around to everyone else and say, Please comment, put your feedback, write your bits in there, which is for an author is the same as getting through that sort of maybe second revision because uh, you don't send your first draft out. That would be crazy. 
you don't send out your first revision either. That would also be crazy. Probably your second or third revision is where you're actually going to get someone else to read over it uh, and tell you where you're looking dodgy or not. And that's it. That's procrastination. So I would love to know, and I'm going to keep looking to see if anyone has any good theories on what the evolutionary purpose of procrastination is. Maybe as a case of the caveman would go, oh, I'm supposed to go out and fight that saber-toothed tiger. You know what? I don't think my spear is sharp enough. I'd better sharp my spear a bit more. Uh, that's nice and sharp. Oh, but the cave's a mess. I'm gonna have to. I gotta clean it. I can't go out hunting and just leave the cave in a mess like this. And then, lo and behold, the saber-toothed tiger dies of old age, <laughs> and he just goes out and and skins it. Maybe that's the way it works. I'll finish my book after all of my audiences died of old age. So next week's goals. Oh, actually, just while I'm on it, I did publish a new blog post today. A little bit more whimsical and, um, I suppose, humorous than my previous how to write sort of blog post. This one here is about urban fantasy. The idea is it's supposed to be in support of my exit plan books and the audio drama, which is... I don't like calling it urban fantasy because urban fantasy, and, and this is a strange thing, I love writing about magic and monsters in a modern setting. But whenever I read a book labelled as urban fantasy, it really does seem just a bit not very good. And I feel that I'm looking at the wrong books. I'm looking at the books that are targeted for other people. Because everyone raves about the Dresden Files. And they're well-written books, good books. I did not find them interesting in the slightest. I found the character of Dresden to be boring and predictable. Uh, tiresome, in fact. Uh, it was not inspiring or interesting. The storylines were, in my opinion, weak and... I don't know. I think I'm looking at the wrong stuff. Because people love the Dresden Files. So clearly, they're good. And it's me that is having the problems. I have a feeling that I need to be looking at a different genre. But I love writing in that sort of fantasy, science fiction meets modern age, alternate histories and so on. But anyway, uh, that's this new blog post I've done up, which is the five men to avoid in urban fantasy because indeed there's um there are problematic romantic entanglements with fantastic beings so next week's goals is to do my running again seven kilometers 12 kilometers on the weekend and, and doing at least one seven kilometer during the week i am going to do my short story i'm going to eat that damn frog and i'm going to set up my twitter um posts to support my blog see how that goes until then figure out what your ugliest frog is for each morning and chow down see ya